Hey folks, it is Whatsoever is True. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jason Coral, um, the author and chatterbox about all of this stuff. Theology, a lot of stuff going on in America right now. Today, as I'm recording this, it's Inauguration Day, and we now have, I believe, if my time, my clock is right, then Joe Biden is our president. But what I want to talk about today is a survey every year since 2014 Ligonier Ministries partners with Lifeway Research and they, and they survey a, you know, beliefs of Americans about theology. And, and that's what I wanted to say today. And, and, and the scripture text is going to be, because you know, I'm always going to go back to the Bible and what is the, our authority. When we say something, when we're making any truth claim, we're going to come back to what is our authority. Every time we have a dispute over something, you know, we could have a dispute over where a particular place is. Let's say I... I think that the Starbucks is on one road when it's on another, and it, we could be talking about facts of that regard, but that's generally not what happens when we have disputes. What we really mean when we're having a dispute is we're having a dispute over the nature or authority of truth itself, right, of some, of some ethical or moral issue. Rarely do people have disputes over like brute, what we call brute factuality. Cornelius Van Til was very instructive in this regard. Was he talks about brute factuality, that the, the non-biblical mind is always thinking about life in terms of just brute facts. This, this, everything is unassociated. And most of our education today is like that. So I'm always trying to cut through that and try to get us back to the Bible. And remember, if you were born in Saudi Arabia and raised there, I, you would easily say and conclude and assert that the moral and intellectual soil that you grew up in was fundamentally Islamic. That's it. That's a fact. Number number two, let's give you, you were born in 1760 New England. Clearly, the intellectual and moral climate you were born and raised in and standing in, standing upon, would be fundamentally like Calvinist, Reformed, Presbyterian, Congregationalist. That's where a lot of your thoughts were coming from. In other words, the integrating principle. So today, it's basically, it's relativistic humanism. And, and there's, a, there's a disintegrating, if you will, and it's rather integrated knowledge. You, we have a disintegrating issue. Everything is disconnected. And that's causing a lot of havoc. You know, you hear people say, well, the experts have said this about, about COVID or mask wearing or whatever. And, but the experts in one area are not, necess- are not going to be, in, in, especially when it comes to public policy, they're not going to be authoritative in areas of ethics, morality, and, and politics. So it takes wisdom to be able to, to navigate this world of a multiplicity of facts. What are those facts related to? When you think about the term universe, when we use the term, we mean there's a unity and a diversity of particulars. There's a unity in principles, all one. Everything is part of one big unit. Well, we've grown up in a soil, intellectually and morally, that there is no unity. There is no universe, it's just diversity. You hear it in politics all the time, diversity, and they never define what that means. So let's look at this quickly and go, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Of course, that's famous verse of Proverbs Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And he goes on to say, don't be wise in your own eyes. Again, you're wise in your own eyes. It means you're thinking you're, you're smart. And, you're, and, and I don't mean smart like you have technical knowledge. Because lots of people have technical knowledge and absolutely no wisdom. 
right? I mean, there's a lot, a great many people are very technically skilled in something, very technically knowledgeable, uh, very, very, very learned in, in a particular field, but they would have no life wisdom. In other words, they don't know how to make sense of the multiplicity of facts and the interaction of things with, with one another. So don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. And fear the Lord means acknowledge him as first and preeminent in all of your thinking and reasoning. And turn away from evil. Meaning you realize that evil is an abnegation of what is good and true. So those things that are evil as defined by God. Again, how do we define evil? We have to go back to the Lord's word. So that's just so packed, so impactful, so instructive for us. And so fear, fear the Lord and consider him preeminent in all of your thoughts. And turn away from evil, turn away from sin, and it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Uh, okay, so let's take a look at this. The state of theology, with that said, is we're kind of running all over the place, even within the church. Many church members, and this is what I think, we're, we're in, on the day that, that we have a new president, Mr. Biden, not President O'Biden, President, I'm sorry, President Biden, not President Obama, President Biden. It was just a dumb joke, I apologize that he is considered to be, by a lot of people who voted against him, the problem. I will say yeah, he's a consequence of it, is that, as C.S. Lewis said one time, but somebody sitting around thinking of their, of their digestive system all the time is clearly unhealthy. And we're thinking of our politics all the time, there's clearly something wrong. What we need is a revival. Ladies and gentlemen, we need a revival. We need the will of the Lord to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And the only way to do that is for all of us in the church to become Bible scholars, become systematic theologians, to become great apologists, to know the truth of the Lord, to be able to take it wherever we go. We we are we are the the first line of, of, of defense for that, not the ballot box. It's in our homes, it's in our businesses, it's in our schools. Wherever we go, are we living biblically? That's what it means to turn away from evil. And the big, biggest evil is just thinking that we can live our life on our own authority, by our own standard. Okay, that initial thing is the is the animating principle of everything else that follows. And we're either going to then think in brute factuality, or we're going to bring everything under the sovereignty and lordship of Jesus Christ. That is going to be the critical thing. If we remember that, everything we do, everything we think is going to be directed by that principle. And it will make sense of things. That's what it means that he will make straight your paths. Don't lean on your own understanding. Okay? That's what this means. You want a revival? Learn the scripture. And I don't mean you sit down for 10 minutes and you do your obligatory Bible reading and, you know, that's what you owe God. And that's that's not it. And if you find, really, and I, I don't mean to, I'm going to be a little bit strident here, and, and, and all of us can improve here. Every one of us, myself included. But if you're not praying to love the scripture more, and you don't want to, you'd prefer to spend time watching TV or or playing video games or some, doing something that nothing's wrong with those things. It, it, it's in this regard of what is taking up the dominant amount of our time. What's the, what's the, what's the thing we're thinking about most of the time? <clears throat> That's the key. If it's not scripture, if we don't yearn for it, if we don't pant for it, really, hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's what the Lord says. You hunger and thirst. That you're blessed. You're, hung, you're hungering and thirsting for the word of the Lord. Then we will have a revival. But if you don't want that, 
If you really want these other things, you may have a good question as to whether or not you're really a Christian. I'm, I'm sorry, I've got to be blunt. I, get, I don't mean to be unnecessarily strident, but when you hear the preaching of the word of the Lord, are you, you, know, are you cold? Are you, are, you, are you not care to really live by it? And here's the next thing as, as we go into this. Do you, once more, lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him? Remember, knowing that he's preeminent in all things. Or do you go, well, it disagrees with me, then I'm okay with it. And I think that's why the Christian church is in such a dilapidated state. We care more about our experience than in our submission to his principles. We care more about, well, the pastor had a great message today. Well, that's an interesting thing to say. And I've heard people say all the time, they're kind of popping around churches, well, I haven't found a church I'm really comfortable in. Well, your point isn't to be comfortable. Your point is to learn, learn of the Lord, to be discipled by his scripture, and to worship him. So the burden's really on you, not the church, right? American Christianity considers church like we would a Starbucks. I mean, if the coffee's good, I'm going to go there. If it's convenient, I'm going to go there. The word of the Lord. People died for this, right? People And people are still dying for it today. And we've got American Christians running around treating it like it's a, it's a shopping excursion. This needs to stop. We need to consider the Lord preeminent in everything. First, he's the foundation. We report for duty. We don't try to give him instruction. Back to Romans 11. For who is known the mind of the Lord? Who's his counselor? Who's given him a gift that he needs to be repaid? One of my favorite lines of scripture, completely, everybody talks about life verse. You know, one of my favorite verses is, and I would actually say, this is one of my life verses. When the Lord finally speaks to Job and says, who is this that darkens counsel with words without knowledge? If you don't raise your hand on that, you don't understand what's going on. We're making a mess of our lives. We're making a mess of our families. We're making a mess of our, of our businesses. We're making a mess of our cities. We're making a mess of our states. We're making a mess of our nations. And we're making a mess of the world because we insist on leaning on our own understanding. We're going, oh, well, the word of the Lord doesn't apply here. This is, this is corporate America. Or the word of the Lord doesn't apply here. This is uh, an athletic thing. Or the word of the Lord doesn't apply here. This is politics. Oh, Hmm. So what part of creation does Jesus Christ not look at and say mine? As to paraphrase Abraham Kuyper. So, to the state of theology, everything in theology, and here's some questions. Um, God is a perfect being and cannot make a mistake. Do you agree or disagree? 50% of the respondents strongly agreed. 50%. That means 50% of people are woefully woefully in error in their theology. I mean, that's why I hear that. Wow, that's terrible. Um, and I'll give you another, another couple, of, couple of things that, that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. Uh, and that one, 33% strongly agree. 38% strongly disagree. That means over half of the people do not believe in the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ. God created male and female. Okay? How about that one? You got other things. Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Uh, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Again, these are all things you can agree with or strongly disagree with. Um, <clears throat> all of this comes down to, really, how well do you know Scripture? If we want a revival, we need the average person to know Scripture as well as to divide the word of the Lord. Make it straight. Cut it straight like a carpenter making a straight cut, making sure this thing's going to fit. When we have the average and everyday mother and father 
student and teacher and so forth know Scripture and yearn for it and love it and submit to its authority, then we'll have that revival. Okay? So that's the point. Um, right now, you're seeing these things all over the place. You're seeing some of these, some of these issues. Even the smallest sin deserves eternal damnation. People you know, disagreeing with some of that. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. This was one that caught my attention. Uh, 34% strongly disagree. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. 19% strongly agree, and about another 20-something percent kind of mostly agree with that. So a good 40-something percent of people responding to a theology thing believe that most people are basically good in nature, as if Romans chapter 3 never occurred to them. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone sins a little. Um, so... On and on this goes. And again, if you want to check it out, if you'd like to check it out, I would suggest that you go to uh, the website, stateoftheology.com. Go check that out. Stateoftheology.com. It's all on there. And you can actually take the survey yourself anonymously. You can also gather it up and send it to some friends and maybe even church members, and they can answer those things anonymously. So you see where everybody stands in this. Uh, but... What we're talking about is biblical orthodoxy. Now, here we go, ready? People go, oh, biblical orthodoxy, that's that's doctrine, that's forcing everybody. No, 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 no. See, what you're doing right there is you're inserting a doctrine. You just can't account for it. Let's never forget that. Everything, as I said right as this podcast started, everything comes down to an ultimate authority. What is your final standard? Answer that question, everything else falls into place. What's your final authority? Okay. And this is not a time for, for wimpy Christianity. And that's what we have, wimpy Christianity. Wimpy Christians at wimpy churches preaching a wimpy gospel to wimpy people. And that's why we have problems everywhere we go. Because the Lord makes straight our paths, guys. That's what that passage means. The Lord, not, not your efforts, not your talents. It's, have we lived long enough to see people who are immensely talented and successful completely mess their life up? Haven't we seen that with our own eyes? What makes us think that that's not going to apply across the board to everybody and to us included? Wimpy Christianity believes that the word of the Lord isn't the word of the Lord. Wimpy Christianity, when the devil says, well, did the Lord really say? You say, yeah, I sort of. That's a wimpy Christian. Maybe not a Christian at all. I don't know. It depends. I can't make that judgment. God will in the final day. But I am saying that you're in very dangerous territory. You're wandering around the battlefield picking daisies, okay? God didn't call us to a cruise ship. He called us to a battleship. All the big guns on our side, though. Our, enemies, our enemy does not have, whether it's secular humanism, scientific materialism, whatever it is, they can't answer the questions of life as, as the Bible can. And, and you should know that and have great security in the Lord and not be walking through life fearful and anxious and, again, wimpy. So, how do we fix this problem? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a couple of things, that we, and, and this is how we fix it, okay? Because I always try to make the best use of our time. Number one, number one, submit to the word of the Lord. The Bible is your ultimate authority on earth, okay? Through the Bible, God speaks, number one. That's what this passage is. In all your ways, acknowledge him, okay? Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. How do we know that? We know that from Scripture. That doesn't mean that there's other things that aren't going to have truth in them. That doesn't mean that, that, that science doesn't speak to us in certain ways and, and, or any other endeavor. But what it means is that it doesn't have wisdom. The word of the Lord is efficacious. The word of the Lord is perfect and true. So that's the first thing. Is our heart commitment has to be in 
when I say heart commitment, we've unnaturally broken and divided heart and mind in this culture, and that's not the way the Bible uses it. The Bible uses heart as the this, as this seat and as the root and the foundation of everything you believe and everything you are. So commit your way to the Lord by believing Scripture is your ultimate authority. And every time you have anything come across your field of, of vision for your evaluation, think, what principle of the Lord does this apply to? What principle of the Lord applies to this situation, rather? Do that, pray over it, he will make straight your path. Which then leads me to the next thing. First, that's the first heart commitment. And then second, study scripture. Study it. You will be amazed that you can read the scripture. You can study it. You should. I would suggest if you haven't been doing this at all, you start, of course, you can read the Gospels. Definitely you want to read the whole Bible, but read the Gospels. Read the Gospel of John. Okay, if you want a little more action then John, read the Gospel of Mark. Read Psalms. And read them. Really read them. And then second, pray over them. Learn to pray while you're in the Word of the Lord. Take some time out. Like, if you've got time to come home, and I know this from, I know these, these uh, for even friends of mine, they're, they're working, they're stressed out, they come home, and they ignore the wife and child and children because they need to decompress, so they play video games or they watch TV for hours. Stop doing that, Christian. Stop doing that. You're going to be conformed to this world. What do you think about all the time? That's an indicator of where your heart is and what your basic commitment is, where your values are. Do you think when pressure hits and pressure hits all the time, that if your basic heart commitment and what you're thinking about is getting a new house or a new video game or something in this world, if that's what's consuming your thoughts all the time, that's what's going to guide your next action. And if you're thinking of the Lord and his beauty and his sovereignty and his awesomeness, that will make straight your paths. Godliness is practical. That's why I said so. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing to your body, a refreshment to your bones. In other words, he's saying it is practical. This isn't the, the high-minded theology. It doesn't have any practical benefits. It's immensely practical. For an example, no boxer ever, ever just goes in and spars and doesn't train. They're, they're running. They're, they're, they're doing things that are going to make their body more fit to do the combat that they're, they're preparing for. Their body has to do it. They are in great shape. Because it has practical benefit. They're saying, well, I'm jogging, but I'm not boxing. Yes, you, well, you're getting ready to box. So, sub, submit, commit your heart to the Lord and the word of the Lord, number one, above every other authority. Number two, study the scripture. Read it and take joy in it. Three, pray over it. Pray over it. Have that Bible open and pray. Your line's going to hit you and pray over that, okay? Pray with an open Bible. And then fourth, this is the next thing, and, and this is something that... that that I definitely want to address. Meditate. Everybody thinks meditation is emptying your mind. That's an Eastern myth. Don't empty your mind. Meditate on the Word of the Lord. If you just read Scripture, like the other day I was just reading about Elijah, and it was amazing. It's amazing what happens with Elijah and Elijah. Uh, and I was meditating, and I was just driving along, and I turned the radio off, got all the noise out, uh, you know, and, and I'm just thinking about the passages that I read. It's amazing. Really meditate on it. Don't just do what we do with everything else and just kind of take it like, like intellectual junk food and then forget about it. Meditate on it. Med literally meditate on the word of the Lord. And in some cases, you can memorize some passages of scripture. 
Like, I, there's a lot of passages of Scripture that I've memorized and I'm kind of close to, if you will, simply because I've read it a lot because they're very meaningful. And, and say, so with my son, every night for most of his, his life, we would read the same couple of Psalms because there was just really good Psalms to finish today with. And they just roll out the tongue. Hide the word of the Lord in your heart, right? And, and that will protect you. So, first again, let me review this again. We need to commit in belief that the word of the Lord is the final authority. It is not open for debate. The Lord has spoken. Now, obviously, there's certain things in Scripture that are very, very clear, and you should have 100% certainty on. For example, number one, that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. God hates sin. You know, that kind of thing. Um, you're not, this is not to say that you're going to open the Bible up to Genesis 51. There is no 51. 51. 51st chapter. And, tell, and they'll tell you, hey, Jason, move to New Jersey. and uh, That's not what it was talking about. There are biblical principles that will give you wisdom. It will yield wisdom so you'll know how to make sense of things. Okay? Second, literally study the Word. Make time to do it. And commit yourself to it. Now, obviously, everybody's going to go through periods of some dry spells and so forth, but it should be a pattern of your life, just like going out and exercising, just like eating well. Number three, pray. And the best way to pray is pray with that scripture. Pray over a verse. When the Holy Spirit speaking to you and, and sort of uh, a, a verse kind of jumps off the page at you, uh, then, then, and I'm telling you again, a great thing to do is read it right through. Don't just open it up and read it. Pick. I'm going to read the Gospel of John here. Or I'm going to read Romans. Or I'm going to read the Psalms. I'm going to read Proverbs. Now, clearly you'd like to get help. And this is another thing, is get some good Christian mentors. Podcasts like this. Uh, there's great stuff out there. John MacArthur, listen to anything John's doing, read anything John's written, that kind of thing. Uh, R.C. Sproul, Ligonier Ministries. Uh, any, anything you can get your hands on, that's a good, solid, biblical foundation, and you're good to go. All right? And then, of course, after prayer, meditate on these things. When you're driving around, when you turn off the chatter, get stop looking at your phone and meditate on the Word of the Lord. You can do that when you're sitting in traffic. A lot of people say, well, don't get mad at traffic or don't be tense. But they don't replace it with something good. It'd be like telling you not to eat bad, but not telling you how to eat good. Well, you starve to death, right? That's impossible. So commit your way to the Lord. He will make straight your paths. That's why don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, again, he is preeminent in all of your thinking. And the more you find yourself thinking about God and his word and his excellency, his authority, his sovereignty, his goodness, his mercy, all of that, better your life will be. It will be healing to your bones. Right? And that's how they heal this country. We're not going to heal this country if you get Joe Biden out of there, get your guy in there. Or vice versa. I mean, I'm not saying that's not going to help. I'm not saying politics isn't important. But those things are downstream. Politics and all of that stuff are and culture downstream of theology. That is a clear message of Scripture. That is why Jesus didn't come for with a political revolution. He came with a spiritual one. And that spiritual one led to political revolutions. Right? You don't arrive at freedom unless you, political freedom, unless you first have the right thoughts and the principles of theology and an anthropology and so on and so forth. So, there you go. That's the podcast for the day. Um, get rid of wimpy Christianity. Wimpy Christianity is Christianity that doesn't commit to the Bible. It has the Bible and other authorities. has the Bible and my own understanding. Right? I'm going to keep it open. I'm going to evaluate the word of the Lord. <laughs> right? I'm the ultimate authority. If the Bible agrees with me, I'm good to go. 
I don't want to go against the culture. If the Bible goes against the culture, well, obviously the Bible needs to be kind of updated. That's wimpy Christianity, and in fact, it's apostasy. So let's be careful on that. Let's, let's pray earnestly that the Lord blesses us during this time, and he leads his church, he leads his people to a deeper and deeper reverence of the word of the Lord, an, an unbelievable commitment to his principles and his truth. We pray now, Heavenly Father, that you bless all of us. You bless all of us with a great, great love of your word and that your word dwells richly in our hearts and your word is a lamp to our feet and a guide to us and you open our eyes to wonderful things from your word and that you bless our country and you bless our homes. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Catch you guys later. Don't forget to catch whatsoeveristrue.com. Don't forget that, whatsoeveristhrue.com. Like me on Facebook, too. Whatsoeveristhrue is on Facebook, too, so you can check that out. Catch you guys later.